Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Mobilization for ABWE, joined by Scott Dunford, West Coast Mobilizer and Lead Church Planter at Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. And Scott, we have a guest here in the studio today who is a man who needs no introduction, but we're going to drag it out a little bit anyway and build some anticipation on the part of our listeners. Um, So in the interest of dragging it out, Scott, How's it in California? It is. It's going great. Um, we just baptized, had a baptism yesterday, which is exciting. It's uh, two adult baptisms in the last three weeks. So we're really excited. Uh, I mean, it's. Not, I, I don't want to give the impression that we've got an Acts 2 situation in our hands with 3,000 being baptized, but um, I'm excited about what God's doing. So, yeah, it's been uh, encouraging for sure. Well, and that's amazing because your church is about, what, 50 people? <laughs> not even. <laughs> so I think we, I think we maybe had 45 or so yesterday. So, uh, we're, we're excited. And, um, just looking around the room, I think probably over half of the people that were there yesterday weren't there a year ago. And, um, so th- there's, there's some exciting things that God's doing and we're just a, glad to be a part of it. Well, that's exciting. And I'm looking forward to being out there in a few weeks and seeing you. Um, but speaking of travel and going all over the country, um, we have quite the traveler in our studio here with us today, the president of our agency, President Paul Davis with ABWE. Sometimes we have a guest on to discuss a specific article or topic where we have an agenda laid out. But uh, with Paul, it's more we just want the man. And <laughs> we are really just looking forward to hearing what God's been teaching him through his travels with ABWE. Paul, um, our listeners, some of them know you, but we also have a lot of listeners who get connected to the podcast who aren't familiar with ABWE. Right. Um, so rather than me steal your thunder, let me uh, allow you to introduce yourself and just share with us just the refresher version of how you came to ABWE. Sure. Well, it's my joy to be with you, Alex and uh, and Scott, to connect with you on the other side of the country. It's good to hear your voice. We we miss you at the headquarters here, but uh, we're excited to hear about baptisms taking place and and what God has called you to in California. So it's great to connect. Yeah, we've been with ABWE for a little under two years now. And uh, before that, 30 years in pastoral ministry, engaged in uh, missions through pastoral uh, ministries and uh, uh, became a part of the board of ABWE. And then uh, transitioned uh, to president a little over uh, a year and a half ago. So that uh, that's the short version. And you have had quite the travel schedule for the last, let's just round up and say two years. We were just talking about that before we started recording here. So tell us where you're going this fall and where you've been lately. Well, we are, we've got an extensive uh, schedule this fall, uh, both in country and out of country. Uh, but uh, the places that we've been uh, are just amazing. And um, to, to list, I, I don't want to list places because some of the places that we've been, we, we shouldn't uh, uh, be listing. Uh, but uh, we've, uh, we've enjoyed visiting people all over the globe. Mm. And uh seeing what God is doing. God is moving all over the globe and he's using incredible people to accomplish his work. And Mm. uh, so oftentimes my wife and I feel like um, we're riding this, this thoroughbred of missions or God has this, this powerful um, 
beast of burden, you know, this, <laughs> this powerful animal that, uh, uh, and, and we're just holding on for dear life, uh, uh, getting to experience the power of God and, and how he, uh, he moves uh, across the globe. And uh, the, the fact that we get to be a little part of it uh, still amazes us every single day. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, just, just following a little bit of where you've been. I mean, you've been, have you been in every continent, but Antarctica so far, I seem like you've been almost everywhere. <laughs> There's a Johnny Cash song about that. Um, I was going to sing it, but I, I talked him out of it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been to, uh, of course, uh, North America, but we've been to uh, South America uh, recently. Uh, we were in Africa, we were in Europe, uh, Eastern Europe. We've been uh, in multiple places in Asia um, uh, all the way to Australia. So yes, we've been, uh, experiencing continental. One could say you've been everywhere, man. (laughs) (laughs) One could say that. One could say that. One of the things that is, I think a unique, uh, position that you're in that almost no one, uh, in missions isn't, is, is in is is be able to see that kind of a bird's eye view. I mean, most of most of us in in ministry are focusing on one location. A lot of missionaries, yeah, they may, like, you know, when we were in Asia, we were in one country, we visited three or four other countries, but we really didn't get to Europe or Africa or South America, those kind of things. But here, you get this opportunity to kind of pop in on teams all around the world. And I always love it when you came back into the office and shared some of those stories of things that you were seeing that we didn't get to experience. But I'm just curious, are there one or two stories that, that you could share with us that, are, that were powerful and have left an impact on you? They just encourage you about what's happening around the world right now. Sure. Um, I, I think one of... Boy, there's so there's so many. And every region is different. But if you were to ask me what some of the surprising things were, um, there's, there's one surprising thing that comes to my mind that's just changed my whole view of ministry. And that is the power of a single woman. Um, uh, we have many single women that are in ministry uh, with, through ABWE. And uh, some of what they're doing around the globe uh, puts my 30 years of pastoral ministry to shame. Mm. And uh, I'm humbled to be in their presence. I'm humbled to see their sacrifice. And um, one of the places we saw that work out was when we traveled to the Gambia. And one of the things we were able to do is we were able to um, visit with a village where a literacy project has been taking place for several years now. And we showed up in this village and uh, about 14 or 15 women showed up all with goats in tow. What, you didn't bring yours? I, I, I didn't bring mine. And uh, um, and my wife didn't have hers either. So we felt left out. Uh, but uh, graduation through this literacy project meant you got a goat. And you could use that goat to start your own business. And uh, whether milking the goat or breeding the goat. And um, uh, the idea was you just you just didn't eat the goat. You used the goat as a I was going to say, you could run a very short-lived butcher shop as well. <laughs> you could. And the idea was to create micro business, uh, through this, uh, through this goat. And this village surrounded us and told us stories of what it means to these women to go through this literacy project, women that 
didn't even know their numbers or their letters before they went through the classes. And um, of course, they learned the scriptures. They learned um, how basic reading and writing and numbers. And they showed us how they could dial cell phones now and call uh businesses or call for something that they needed because they didn't even know the numbers before and the freedom that they gave those women and the way that it had transformed a village because all of these women now had a micro business, whether it was milking or, um, uh, you know, breeding, uh, goats. And this village was literally transformed by a single female missionary who had a burden to teach people how to read mm. and that I've never transformed a village. Mm. <laughs> I've, I've been able to do many things in my life, but I've never seen a village transformed by my ministry. Like I saw that single missionary due to that village. And that literacy program is uh, some sort of a gospel vehicle and there's a church planting team going on to sketch some of that out too. Yeah. So there's uh, so this single a female missionary is uh, is working to plant, plant the gospel with the team, um, and uh, and they're doing other things. There's a medical clinic there, so there's a team there that's working. Um, but this was her focus, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's work going on um, there, and it's amongst the the Wolof people. And so if you think of the Wolof people, uh, pray for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're difficult, notoriously a difficult people to reach. Um, and, uh, and this single female missionary and her team, uh, it's a team effort, uh, are, are seeing tremendous thing happen. So those are some of the, that's just one example of a surprising thing that, uh, that I, that I see there. Yeah. I remember you told a story. Um, this is a, this was a while ago, but I don't think we shared it here on this, on this, um, on this podcast about going to South Asia and, seeing a a missionary with ABWE that's working in the slums and discipling uh, young men and how that's ended up planting churches all over South Asia. I wonder if you could, that's a story that's one of my favorites that I've heard you share. And that is one that doesn't get talked about a lot because of security restrictions. And I wonder without sharing names or the country specific, could you share a little bit about that one? Cause I love that story. Sure. Again, this is a, a missionary who humbles me because he, um, uh, he took it upon himself to disciple uh, some children in the slums of the, the country that he works in and the city that uh, that he's in. And um, he focused on several young men that were children and those children grew into teenagers and those teenagers are now very, very young men. And he's focused on discipling them to the point where now 10 of these young men are partnering together in order to become church planters. Mm. And that is both a commitment to mm. discipleship that just amazes me because they they came into his sphere of influence as children uh, learning simple things like how to brush their teeth. This is like his Sunday school class is now a church planting team together. That's a great way to think about it. Something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it was more like a hygiene class. Wow. Right? Learn how to brush your teeth, do some basic after school things. Yeah. And uh, and then it moved to singing songs and then it moved to Bible stories and then it moved to um, uh, 
And now these young men, Mm. these young men are spiritually mature and they're leaders in their community now. And um, it's, we got to walk through the slums with them and to watch older men like Mm. tip their cap to these young men because Uh, they weren't typical young men. They're seen as mature. They're seen as leaders. They're seen as influencers. And these are guys that are, they're 18 years old and they're more mature than most young men I see around the globe. Yeah. And they're being discipled and steered towards right now. Uh, a couple of them are even planting churches as we speak again, in the same community. And the goal of this missionary was not to like rescue them out of their community. Um, and th- it's slums. So when we talk about community, right. it's let's be transparent with what we're talking about. But the idea was not to bring them out, but to make them leaders within. Mm. And so these young men are having just a tremendous impact. And, and Scott, thanks. Thank you for asking me to share that because just, again, I'm, I'm encouraged by just even sharing the story again uh, about these men and really the, the eight to 10 year discipleship commitment that this missionary took uh, to win and disciple these young men. Well, that's amazing. And Paul, you know, one thing that I appreciate about working with you and serving under you is that, yeah, you're a, you're pretty enthusiastic, charismatic, uh, sort of leader, not in a theological sense of being charismatic, but in a, in a, per, your vision caster, your, um, you, you, you I get excited. About you things, get excited. Yes. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, but, but, but to look underneath that surface as well, you're, you know, you're, you're somebody who's, who's a man of conviction. And I know when you look out across missions in general and, uh, the global fields that you visited, um, both within and outside of our organization. Um, I'm sure there's things that burden you about the state of missions. Um, you know, whether there's trends that you see that are, some are helpful, maybe some aren't helpful. Um, some things that should be happening that aren't happening or some things that are happening that you wish weren't. Um, so what burdens you as you meet these missionaries, as you think about just global missions in general, outside the ABWE family too? Mm. If I had to summarize it, I would I would go to Ephesians five, uh, where Paul uh, encourages the Ephesian church to walk carefully. And uh, I think the the things that I'm burdened by, most burdened by, are uh, amazingly gifted people who have uh, incredible gifts for ministry, uh, but there are things in their life through um, either things that they've allowed into their life or things that they haven't rooted out of their life um, that are setting them up for ministry failure or hurting their ministry in ways that they, they may not understand. Mm. Um, But when, but when people see it, they, they pick it up on, and I'm talking about spiritual disciplines. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, um, you know, the, the Puritans of old talked about, you know, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Right. And and the discipleship process, the sanctification process in our lives is incredibly important, you know, when we're being discipled as young people. But it's even much more important as we're trying to be ministers of the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, because the character of our life uh, the way that we're growing, the way that we repent in front of other people, uh, when we... F- 
when we when we fall, the way that we get up, when um, when we sin against a brother, the way that we repent and restore that relationship, these are all things that are just so critical to ministry. Uh, none of us will be perfect, right? Um, so no one's expecting perfect missionaries. Um, but I would say that the thing that I'm, oh, it's burdened by, but um I would call missionaries to is mm. to work on the character, the personal character, mm. uh, the hidden man of the heart, the oh. um, uh, doing personal soul care for yourself and engaging with Christ deeply and personally um, as you do ministry to other people. So there's like a professionalization of the missions enterprise and utilization of uh, just very pragmatic methodologies and counting numbers. And it becomes focused all on the externals. And then you lose the, um, you know, the spirituality, the the personal and individual holiness that the missionary should have. That's kind of what you're seeing. Yeah, that would be what I'm burdened by. We're we want to enjoy the giftedness that God has given us, uh, but that giftedness uh, has to be in conjunction with that, that growing, thriving, abiding in Christ. Mm. Right. And when there are, when there's gifts outside of abiding in Christ, those gifts can actually be harmful yeah. to the kingdom because uh, very gifted, smart people who are ungodly, uh, are actually dangerous. Very the dangerous. Globe, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, having missionaries across the globe, make sure we're working on our hearts, make sure we're working on abiding in Christ. Um, because I think then our, our giftedness is a beautiful thing and it bears fruit that remains. Mm. And that's what I long for. Mm. It's interesting you say that because when you look through missions history, a lot of the the names that pop out were often rejected early on in their, in their endeavors. Cause they weren't, they weren't so evidently gifted. I mean, they were gifted clearly because that gifting comes from the Holy spirit, but they weren't people whose gifts popped out, but their, their character, their perseverance, their walk with the Lord, um, and, and, you know, just looking at acts yesterday here at our church and just seeing that really the work is the empowerment of the Holy spirit. And so if we're not spirit powered, we're not really going to bear enduring fruit, you know? So I, I appreciate that, that, uh, that emphasis. I, I'm curious who along with that, um, as you sitting and talking to missionaries, as you're seeing the fields, is there a theological truth that you would love to see missionaries grow in? Something that maybe um, either you've noticed or maybe it's just a burden of your heart as God's speaking to you and, and, and working in your life. Is there some theological truth that you wish that you could uh, encourage missionaries around the world to, to grab onto and hold tight to? Knowing Christ. Um, you know, we can talk a lot about... Um, theology. Um, but I would echo Paul's words uh, to know Christ, um, to understand the power of his sufferings, to understand um, how deep and rich and full our Lord Jesus Christ is, um, to have a clear understanding uh, of what salvation is, and how it affects every area of our lives and how the gospel impacts everything that we do. And, and, you know, we talk about, uh, when I was very young, the gospel to me was about heaven and hell. Um, I was, I'm a very visual person. And so I can, I can picture, um, 
what how the Bible describes heaven. I can picture how the Bible describes uh, hell. And um, so the the gospel became very real to me because I could I could picture those. And the older I get, the more I realize that the gospel and our Lord Jesus Christ is so much deeper and richer than heaven and hell. Mm. Um, it, it's not just a transaction of redemption. It's not just a, a propitiation or a, an atonement price that uh, salvation is um, who I was created to be and what I was created for. And that um, the gospel um, not only changes my relationship, uh, but it, um, it becomes my mission and my focus and my life. And um, so it I would, is that it's just more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I would uh, I would say that the truth, uh, let's continue to dive into the richness of Christ. Mm. Let's let's continue to get to know him and um, uh, and the, the theologies that surround his redemption and atonement and and resurrection and uh, all of the beautiful truths that uh, help us understand and uh, and the scriptures have revealed to us about our God and his son. Mm. Well, that's good. And we want to get more of your thoughts in a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Paul Davis. Let me tell you a story about Abdul. As a teenager in a refugee camp, Abdul lived in a world of uncertainty. He lost the will to live, and morning after morning as he lay dying, he heard the voices of nurses beside his bed singing during their morning Bible study. Hospital workers serving with ABWE sat by Abdul's bedside, sharing stories of the Bible with him. One day, suddenly God opened his eyes and he asked excitedly, tell me about Jesus. He began to smile, he started to eat, he devoured every story everyone could tell him from the Bible. Abdul had been saved. Now Abdul is back in the refugee camps sharing the gospel with his family and friends. Well, you may have noticed that I didn't mention what country Abdul is living in. And that's because we can't for security purposes. About 10% of ABWE's missionaries serve in parts of the world that we can't even mention by name. ABWE's Global Gospel Fund supports workers in limited access countries by training new missionaries. Through the Global Gospel Fund, you can support a thousand missionaries with one gift. Please become a Global Gospel Fund partner. Go to abwe.org slash global gospel fund. So, Paul, following up on that, diving into the richness of the gospel, obviously, um, we can unify around the gospel, uh, those of us who really believe in it and who hold to those things. Um, but I'm curious, you're, you're in a position as a leader of um, an institution in, in the best sense, right? That's a, not, to, not to sound overly crusty or self-important, but you lead, lead, you lead a large organization and ABWE um, is a bigger tent type of organization, Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. There's a, a number of different uh, streams and schools of thought on certain secondary, tertiary kind of theological issues that are maybe represented by people who would say, well, we're Baptist and we're gospel-centered, right? There's going to be some diversity there. Sure. And you visited a bunch of different fields. What does it look like to you? How can missionaries partner together well 
across different streams and traditions, because I, th I think we see that so often. We have a tendency to um, to separate too quickly, and the Great Commission requires us to to unify. Um, but then at times to separate, you know, when it comes to you know, how are you planting a church? Like uh, you have to take a stance in this direction or, or this form of organization or another. So what does it look like for missionaries to partner well, even when they differ? Mm. Uh, an interesting thing that we've seen that I think is worth pointing out just as we step into this conversation is um, we have found that the more difficult the field, the easier it is for missionaries of different streams, mm -hmm. as, as you, I'll use your terminology, of different streams to work together. Mm. Um, when the field is easier, and I'm not saying that any field is, is easy because um, sin and evil mm. um, and lostness are everywhere. Um, but when the physical hardness comes, when the spiritual darkness gets darker, when, um, when there is a cultural pervasiveness against the gospel, um, those are the places where the gospel seems to do its best work of unifying the body of Christ. Mm. And so hmm. I think that's, that's worth saying at, at the get go, but um, how do we work together? I, I think first and foremost, one thing that we don't do is gloss over differences. Yeah. There are real theological differences. And I think these discussions are worth having. Uh, I think theology is worth talking about. I think um, there are reasons why we, as we look at scripture, we dive in and we come to different viewpoints on things. And especially those intramural debates that we have with one another that are within the gospel um, that can separate. I think um, let's, let's just not gloss over those. Yeah. Let's really talk about those things. Uh, but I think some of the, the it, around the turn of the century, when the fundamentals of the faith were being formed, um, churches, there, and there were Presbyterian churches and Baptist churches and, and different streams of churches who really wanted to get down to what were the fundamentals of the faith. And I think they were on to something. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there, there are lots of things that have come out of that movement. And we have the view of history through the whole uh, um, 20th century of, of, of how churches have uh, broken and denominalized and, and things like that. But um, I would say, first and foremost, uh, we need to find where the fundamentals are. Uh, make sure that we're solid on the fundamentals of who Christ is, what he's done, um, the gospel for sure, um, and, and start there and and work from that uh, that foundation. Do you think we've become um, better because of cooperation or do you, are you concerned about um, this? I don't know. I guess in previous generations, we would have said like compromise because of, of cooperation. What are you seeing happening on the field? Does it encourage you or discourage you regarding this cooperation? Boy, I think both of those uh, prophetic warnings of, of men of God of old are accurate. Mm. Um, we do have to be careful uh, about being too, again, ecumenical. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think we do need to be careful of compromising the truths of scripture. And that's why I say, let's not gloss over these things. Yeah. Let's be, let's have serious intellectual gospel, uh, Holy spirit filled conversations about the truths of scripture. Yeah. But let's also then understand the things that we have to divide over. 
and the things that we don't have to divide over. And if it's something that we don't have to divide over, is it some, is this a group that we can work with? And the work of the gospel around the globe is way too big for ABWE to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't do it alone. We have to work together and where we can work together the synergies of multiple ministries and multiple, again, streams of donors and streams of, of supporters of missionaries, when, when missionaries from different organizations can work together, it's beautiful and we get a lot done. So yes, that's a powerful thing, but let's be careful too. So uh, I see both sides of those warnings as let's listen to these men of God who call us to work together, but let's listen to the men of God who also say, wait, be careful. Um, There are dangers that come with that. Yeah. Well, you know, for for me, for instance, I've been, you know, a lot of the men that I consider theological uh, influences um, in my life and my thinking are Presbyterian. That makes me a bad Baptist probably, right? You know, in an evangelistic context, though, we're going to share the gospel the same way. Now, when it comes to planning a church, we're going to do things differently, mm. you know, but it's also recognizing, you know, what is what is your goal? Your your goal is not just, um, you know, to because the, the separation issues come in um, the further down the line you get in the context of church planting, too. So what you're talking about in some of those very difficult, hostile cl- climates, when you're an oppressed minority, you know, in a, in a hostile country or a culture um, and you're all on mission together. You're going to be um, in the trenches together. And uh, there's something beautiful that comes of that, too. Uh, But we also kind of want to dive into um, and ask while we have you, you know, when we when we think about this, I think we wish we all had that pioneering mentality all the time that we are in the trenches, that we're all pressing the gospel forward all the time. And that would give us that vigor uh, that you're talking about, that unity and that mindset of abiding in Christ um, that it seems that God's been impressing on you lately and you've been learning just in your own studies and, and walking with the Lord. But let's face it, Monday always comes, right? The temptation is always just to do ministry as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that temptation happens for the missionary too. Even the missionaries that are out there on the, you know, the frontier, you know, front advancing lines of the kingdom, um, there, there's still a temptation to do missions as usual. And uh, what what does it look like for you? How can we avoid falling into that sort of a rut and just do missions as usual but without throwing out the baby with the bathwater and just doing something because it's new or just to get results and being pragmatic? We don't want to be overly pragmatic, but how do we avoid that rut? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a temptation, right, to fall into our everyday routine of life. And uh, and we go from task to task to task without thinking about what we're doing. Um, I can tell you what has worked in my own life. And there are there are seasons and and things and, and mile markers in my life that uh, keep me going. And, and one of those things is a reminder of lostness. Um, what gets me up in the morning is that this work that we have uh, devoted our life to going into all the world and proclaiming the gospel, um, making disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that Christ has commanded to us. Um, this is so far from being completed. And it's going to take every one of our gifts. It's going to take every one of our resources. It's going to, 
and what gets me up in the morning is thinking of the the immensity of the task and the fact that we get to be a part we get to be a part of the means that God is uh, has purposed in his divine plan for the peoples of the world we get to be a part of saving them hmm. we get to be a part of uh, of reaching them for the gospel and that energizes me uh, it may not energize everyone uh, but when I see the immensity of the task, I, I tend to be a forward-thinking person. I, like, how can we do this? Let, what, can we take a bite out of this darkness? Can we take a bite out of that lostness? Can we, can we do something? And and that very much energizes me. And I think um, if we if we look and read the scriptures and um, abide with Christ in ways that that, that help us see what Christ saw when the scriptures tell us he looked on the crowd mm. and had compassion on them. They were like a sheep without a shepherd. And they were, um, the Greek there is, they were thrown down and harassed. Mm. I think when we look at the world, like Christ sees the world, I, I think that will get us up. I think it will energize us. I think it will make us hone our giftedness. Uh, I think things like spiritual dif- disciplines have a freshness to them because we see the need for them. Mm. So that that would be my best answer to that. I love that last little part too. You, you'll see the need for those spiritual disciplines. I think many of us, myself included, I mean, we don't feel the need for prayer, for Bible mm. study, because we're not on mission. But when you are, and that's not to say that everybody is going to be engaged in front lines sort of ministry to the same extent, but when you're living your life with that sort of ministry intentionality, whether you're in the States or abroad or anywhere, um, you you have to pray. You can't not pray because it's, it's your fuel. Um, And the same, you know, to apply, applying to any other spiritual discipline too. Yeah. And seeing the lostness around the globe is is part of it, but it's also seeing the lostness in our neighborhood, right? Yeah. It's seeing the lostness of the, of the family that's falling apart right down the street from us. And they're falling apart because of the effects of sin on mm. their life. And And we have the answer to the reason why they're hopeless and the reason why their family is falling apart. And, um, so, so that lostness has as much to do with what's going on right in our neighborhood and in our homes uh, with our children and with our, our parents and our families, as well as lostness around the globe. Mm. You know, when we come face to face with, you know, someone who we love and are building a relationship with and and their hearts are not yet moved to accept and believe the gospel and, and fall in love with with Christ, um, it drives us to our knees. And uh, I loved what you said there about about being on mission, really causing us to go to these disciplines. I mean, that's, that's one of the ways I think God teaches us to pray is by coming up with coming against spiritual forces that we just cannot uh, defeat in our own flesh. And in those times, God teaches us that we have to fully rely on him. And that's uh, a, that's a, a humbling, but a beautifully humbling thing. So Paul, what's a final encouragement that you'd give to pastors or missionaries, seminary students, uh, anyone who's listening? I'll share with you something that's been on my heart um, recently, and and that is the brevity of life. Uh, I was at a funeral this weekend, and uh, so many 
of our missionaries. We're we're a ninety three year old organization, and uh, so we have missionaries that uh, uh, are in their last days, and and so we're constantly hearing of another missionary that's passed on to be with the Lord, and um, and so I have the sense of the brevity of life, and uh, I would encourage pastors and and missionaries. Uh, Let's keep in mind that we only have a short time to do what God has called us to do. Um, Billy Graham was asked, what's the most surprising thing that you've learned in life? And this was when he was towards the end of his life. And, and Billy Graham said, it's brevity. Hmm. And so let's not grow weary in well-doing, hmm. right? Let's redeem the time. And uh, Let's be busy about the gospel. Let's let's throw our time, talent, and resources uh, at lostness because it's it's worthwhile, and um, and let's let's do it with zeal because time is short. And I know that it's I'm, as I'm saying it, I, I feel like I'm saying something that's cliche or trite, um, but it, but it's not. Uh, we we very soon will be giving an account. Mm. Uh, we very soon will be like these missionaries of um, uh, that I'm sending cards to every single week. Um, and uh, I look at some of their lives and, and, and I am thinking to myself, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Mm. Um, you're faithful with a little, um, you know, welcome into your rest and you'll be given a lot. And if I'm thinking that I know the savior is too. And, and I long to hear those words in my life and, uh, and anyone that's in ministry, I think, um, needs to be reminded of that. Well, and it, it, it sounds trite, but it shouldn't. We all need a reminder of that constantly to live with that sort of missional gospel intentionality in our homes or neighborhoods, or if you find yourself half a world away. So Paul, thank you for sharing that today. And uh, we want people to be able to follow you and learn more about how, um, not just what ABWE is doing too, but just to follow your, your personal ministry. So you are writing for ABWE's blog. Yes. Um, people can read what you've written on there. Um, and uh, you tweet as well. Your Twitter handle though is weird. I don't even... It's got, it like repeats your name twice or something. I must've been yeah. taken. At Pete, I'm Paul Davis, right? So there's like, yes. Paul yeah. Davis restoration. There's, there's lots of things. Uh, I'm a, You're like Paul Davis, 94. Yeah, I'm uh, at P Davis underscore Davis. So it's, uh, yeah, all the Paul Davises have been taken. So, uh, and I'm Paul Davis. You're Paul Davis. Davis. Yeah, and apparently, I'm not the real Paul Davis or the you know, so. <laughs> not blue check mark yet. Right. Yeah. Right. right. But Paul, thank you for your ministry and for your leadership um, and influence, not just in ABWE but in the churches that we support and uh, beyond in the broader missions community as well. And thanks for joining us today on the Missions Podcast. If you want to get more great content on theology, missions, and practice, go to missionspodcast.com. And while you're there, subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite listening platform. And please give us an honest review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to be sending your questions to alex at missionspodcast.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us.